Hello <laughs> and welcome to the Wrestling Headlines. Raw Review, my name is Matt Mayer aka Imp and we are live here on YouTube and also available in cult podcast form. Links in the description or head over to wrestlingheadlines.net. So, new setup, a little bit different, <laughs> fair to say. Uh, also, because the way I've got things set up, it's just everything I need to touch it to the right. So I've got no idea how to actually do this without <laughs> just like going off camera like that. It's like, oh, it's just weird, it's weird. but. That's that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Anyway, so I'm standing up with you. We'll see how it goes. We've got a nice little back, back backdrop. We've got a nice little shadow boob <laughs> up there for my light. That I just I can't move out of the way. <laughs> so that's irritating. Anyway, my name is Matt, aka Imp, and we'll be reviewing Monday Night Raw here in the the white studio <laughs> full of white. Uh, anyway, I think I think I enjoyed myself in Monday Night Raw. I mean. I'm not saying I was suddenly massively invested in their characters or stories, but they allowed matches to breathe instead of like 11 or 12 quick fire bouts and the show was infinitely more watchable. What a surprise. <laughs> like I generally, generally really did enjoy the show. And kind of like the, which is, which is weird. I will massively preface this. Since I've not done the reviews, I've not done anything for wrestling headlines in, <laughs> it was beginning of October. It's been about a month since I've watched anything WWE. I've been in AEW. I've finished up the New Japan G1 Climax reviews. I've, and as it was, both AEW Dynamite moving to a Saturday for a couple of weeks, meaning I couldn't cover it. Also, Monday Night Raw was doing the Crown Jewel shows, and I had no plan of watching Crown Jewel. So I was like, you know what? Let's just leave it. We'll come back after all that is done and return. So I'm returning with I've not been watching it optimism. <laughs> is the, like the best way to enjoy Raw. If you tune in and when you, we've not watched Raw for about a month or a few weeks, whenever you come back, you're like, it's not. You know, it's not that bad, you know. <laughs> it's not actually that bad. This Raw, the people, uh, all the complaints, it's not actually that bad. But what's actually happened there? You've, you've not watched the show for a few weeks. <laughs> and as the show progresses, you start to remember that, ah, yeah, 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 now I get it. Yes, now I remember, now I remember. And it slowly, it slowly returns. That, just that reminder that, ah, yes, this is why. <laughs> and little things pop out throughout the show. And then you finally get to the like, final bit. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And especially watch multiple weeks in a row. You get that feeling, get that feeling. But, I mean... The show was easy to get through, and compared to the stuff earlier this year, where that was kind of my marker during the summer when fans returned, I was like, how, how, could, how easy is the show to get through? Because the marker was bloody difficult. <laughs> that was the level. If it's bloody difficult to get through, it's not the best. This, this role was easy to get through. But the main talking point came in the form of the main event. Also, I've not figured out how to scroll my notes without just stretching my arm out like that. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll figure it out. Baby steps. Baby steps. It's the... Completely new background for you, I guess. Anyway, so I'm going to talk about Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and Big E—the kind of triple th triple threat three kind of set up a little bit where we've got the number one contender of Seth Rollins. We've seen it before on Monday Night Raw where they like to have three at once, essentially with the WWE Championship, and then you can rotate your big boy brawls with especially Sheamus, with Sheamus, Bobby Lashley, Andrew McIntyre last year. He rotated in Randy Orton, and we swap out Sheamus. You got that rotating three. This year, you go with Big E, Seth Rollins, and Kevin Owens. Three, also awesome. <laughs> you can rotate them out, you can have the big boy rolls every single week, you build up the tensions between them, you actually have the matches, like with Bobby Lashley Sheamus, the number of times I can think of at least once <laughs> where they built up 
that they were going to do the match, they even teased it the week before, and I'm like, this is great. They've had their matches, they've done their stuff, but they're pissed at each other, and they get angry, and then you build to a match later down the line. Awesome, great. But they, just the next week, they then change the matches, which is, it makes sense for me, for WWE, to stop promoting next week's matches, because they always change it, so just stop promoting them. And which, what they've done recently, I'm fine with that. Just, you know, announce it a few days before the show, once you finally figure it out. <laughs> it's alright. It kind of screams, you're not thinking ahead, but if that's how you write, don't stop trying to promote it ahead. <laughs> it makes sense. Anyway, so on tonight's show, number one contender Seth Rollins with a little briefcase after winning the ladder match. He comes out and gives his own horn and old tooting. Big E comes out with the backhanded congratulations. I've skipped over what Seth said. It's not important. <laughs> Get to the bigger things. Um, some good baddy words as Seth laughs at both King Woods and Kofi Mania. Which, the latter of which is so highly regarded that just speaking ill against it is just... How could you possibly... You can't speak ill against that. He's such a villain. He is a villain. <laughs> That's why he said it. Uh, but it all motivates E to propose that the matches move later in the show. Smart Seth, however. Long arm. <laughs> I'll figure it out eventually. Smart Seth obviously shoots down... Like, after Shoots it completely down after competing in Hell in a Cell and then a ladder match back-to-back. It's Monday night contract Kevin Owens coming out. Because <laughs> that's the main talk about it as well, is Kevin Owens' contract. And who he absolutely killed his babyface fire promo, saying it may be three more months or three more years. Every time I step in that ring, I give it everything. Seth doesn't want none, but Kato's more than happy to. If Owens really is on his way out, then for me, this is 100% the way to do it. Putting every bon everybody over on, their, on his way out, rather than getting bollocks booking <laughs> in some form of childish revenge at the detriment of your own product. Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? What is wrong with you? Just, no, just, yeah. Just have them put the others over so they look great. Don't make him look crap so when he goes elsewhere, your idea is he's worth less when they go there, but if they book him strong at the gate, none of it matters. Interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting. But that fast forwards us to the main event. I'm doing a Superman little stretch. <laughs> Big E versus Kevin Owens was the main event. As Kevin Owens is more than happy to fight. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. Like, we've never had Big E versus Kevin Owens. Let's do that for the first time. And that set up our kind of new 2021 of three men main event little scene, which again, comparing to last year's, is similar style of booking, because, like, on a night which we, where matches were given time to build, um, which is like one of my main positives coming out of this show, they gave the matches time to build. Yeah, great. So they, they gave the matches this time to build, and this main event capped it off really fittingly. Like, a rare sight in WWE for them to straight up deliver a face-versus-face match and give it time without quick interruption. It was like, ah, oh, yes, great. So a round of applause <laughs> for this show's main run-through angle. They actually did it, well done them. Uh, and this was a hell of a back and forth, both lads charging and flying into close falls and finisher counters. A little head bump sends, sends both lads in the end. They send them both a bit wobbly. But uh, Rollins off of his commentary seat immediately to lamp the champion and try and cost him the match. When so then, in the moment, babyface Kevin Owens, our, one of our heroes, Kevin Owens, is then faced with a decision. He definitely sees Seth Rollins' lamp E. Sees E down, sees Seth Rollins scuppering away, like, <laughs> scuppering away. And he has to make that decision. Does he try and go after Seth and go, oh, you villain, and go after him? I'm the good guy, I'll go after you, villain, for your villainous deeds. Does he do that? Or does he try and get a pin over the WWE champion? And, in an interesting character moment, he chooses to go for the pin, <laughs> even though he's meant to be the super, one of the super good guys. He shows a trait that isn't pure goodies. Like, oh, yes, WWE normally swing either way or they get really crap at booking good guys. But this is a 
complex thing and I like it. We're good at seeing them putting them in a difficult situation. This is awesome. So then Kevin Owens goes for the pin and he's then caught and fitted the crucifix by Big E instead. In the moment, Owens made the decision to go for the pin. But then after the match, like, he's not buying anything. He's like, you saw Seth hit me. And Kevin Owens is like, he's been caught out. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 I... I didn't, I didn't see him. Rollins, you! And she tries to switch it to Seth Rollins. <laughs> to that, well, how could you do that? How? What is you, you evil villainous person? And he's just like, come on. I know you saw him. Like, no. And <laughs> you know, for all of the different reasons that he can come up with. However, Owens trying to fix, shift the focus onto Rollins' games doesn't work. He just pays him comeuppance anyway. <laughs> he's like, he agrees with Kevin Owens. Like, yeah, he is a bit of a dick. But you saw him do it and try to take advantage. <laughs> I'm not going to let that slide. Like, oh, it's, yeah, it, both, like, both of them, like, Kevin Owens caught in a difficult position, makes a decision, and it's not one that's going to make the other good guy happy. But that other good guy immediately calls him out on it and doesn't let it slide. We've seen it a few times where this kind of result happens, but then the at the end, the, <laughs> they're both just like, oh, you, oh... What are you like? Oh, you, we're, well, we're both just so cheeky, oh, aren't we? Who's <laughs> seen it like that here to see E blatantly pissed off, and then hitting his finisher on him to send like a big show, a, a big show ending. <laughs> That's how we say it uh, for Wee Kevin, who has made mistakes <laughs> on this night. But I just loved all the character beats in there, which is great for me to say about WWE when it's normally me just complaining, but. There's that thing of, and also on my end, whenever I look across, because I've got the stream on a lower quality, so it doesn't take up video, I'm just seeing me constantly freeze in weird positions. <laughs> so hopefully that's not what the live uh, actual thing's like. Anyway, so I can't, I can't, I, I, I can't be happier that I am praising WWE for complex character work and put and playing them off all really well. Seth Rollins just has to be the douche. Like, he's just the dickhead. He just runs away and goes, hee hee scurries away after doing these evil deeds. But then Biggie and Kevin Owens have their fallout, and it makes sense. Kevin Owens, when faced with a position, one that would be massively massive for his career to pin the WWE champion, but then he's his fellow good guy. He wouldn't do him over like that, would he? He wouldn't do that. He did that. <laughs> he screwed him over. And that's where we kind of find ourselves in this kind of situation. Like, yeah, massive round of applause. And it's a reason to keep comparing it to the Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, and Bobby Lashley kind of triangle they were doing before is... It's kind of similar where you've got that, just adding that extra person makes the dynamics so much more interesting. You've got one who's an out and out villain, you've got the one who's an out and out good guy, and then you've got the one in between kind of caught in the middle a little bit. It's like, oh, it's. And that would have been Drew McIntyre. And Seamus then ended up going full heel. But I. Oh, yes. It's. it's yeah, round of applause. <laughs> it's just well done. Well done, WWE. They've set something up interesting. And I, I won't say that I'm suddenly invested and massively caring about the characters. I think this is one week. Do we have a track record of just not remembering things after a certain amount of time or just getting dropped to move on to that next thing? They've got a track record of that. And to be fair, that's something else to kind of praise here is Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens reacted as if in the past they have feuded. Because they have. Just last year they had a big WrestleMania match after a really lengthy feud. So it makes sense when they bump into each other here. Just the sight of them still irritates them. <laughs> I just really like that. Both of them, whenever the other one did something, they were just irritated. And I was like, oh, yes, exactly. That's what they were. That's what that's what their feud was. Both of them, by the end of it, were just so irritated by each other. Just wanted to beat the living hell out of both, both the good guy and the bad guy. And then we come here, and it's been a while, but just the sight of them still irritates them. <laughs> it's just, oh, yes, really is good. 
I say, when I say good, this is like basic stuff. And CWWE doing it, though, is great. And then to use it and put it in a complex situation like this, which then branches out and creates more possibilities. Like, this is the type of thing I want to see in this company. <laughs> good stuff. And, of course, you mix it in with the kind of triple, the three-way dynamic of the big boy brawls, because you can rotate them out, which is what they did last year with those three, same three guys. You bring in these three. Uh, it's going to be a completely different style, different matches, but if you book it in a similar way... Like, I'm not going to have many complaints. We're going to get amazing matches. Because that was my kind of main positive coming out of last year. Was, yes, the shows were... Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time they were a bit difficult to get through. But you got a banger main event. Or at least one main attraction match. Which was not outstanding, but really strong TV wrestling. And that was a consistent. Across all of the lockdown, all of the Thunderdome era from a night raw. You would have... Even if the finishes were crap. The matches themselves were great, or at least solid, and it's just, uh, it's really, I find, I'm really happy to see that that's continuing, because <laughs> that means even when the shows are crap, and I won't, I'll say the middle of the show is very nothing, but I've got praises for it, compared to it being nothing with no praises. <laughs> it's like, there's nothing, but there's stuff to see here. Uh, it didn't feel like a necessary watch, but there were some really strong moments compared to when it's strong opening, strong, strong main women's thing, and then nothing. <laughs> it's just... Ah, this three-hour show. This was better than that. I, I would even recommend it be watchable. <laughs> it's like, oh, don't it? It's watchable. Jesus. Uh, that's, that's the main thing to take out of it. Anyway, I'm not going to go through the rest of the show in order and just talk about Monday Night Raw itself. I always... I, have, I, I bloody script myself and then I always go off script. <laughs> it takes me so long to get back to the point I was making. Uh, but yes, so the November 1st, 2021 episode of Monday Night Raw... It was by far one of the most watchable episodes, and the key part for that is, so the way I write my notes is I'll number each in-ring segment. If it's like a backstage thing, I'll just put in capital letters, like who's there, what it is, and I, but I don't count it as a like in-ring, like a segment segment, like an in-ring segment. Um, I, it's just how I like to do my notes. <laughs> it's it's not that I'm, I was like, oh, do they not count as segments if they're backstage? That's just how I, I just number the in-ring stuff. <laughs> there's no there's no big reason for it. I'm not making any statement. That's just how I like to organise my Word document. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. But the... So I see quite often when Raw hits double figures for the number of matches, quite often the pace of the show has just been crap. <laughs> it's the best way to put it. For them to hit those uh, kind of double figures, that means you've had to have short matches and you've had to have more than one of them. On occasion, they've hit 12 or 13. Just That's in-ring segments, never mind any backstage stuff. Sometimes they've cut down the backstage stuff, but the matches have been really quick, so you just kind of barrel through them. The matches, that's where the, that's where the fatigue point hits the most during those shows, where you feel like you've watched a lot, but not much has happened. That's when they've had like 12 matches, that really quick, didn't really go anywhere, do anything. They maybe pushed a character along or established a character or something like that, but you, you haven't really felt like anything had happened. On this show, they had fewer matches. It wasn't a show full of segment, like backstage talky bits. They were there, but it wasn't like bogged down by them, which we have seen before. Here, they were, yeah, they were fine. <laughs> Perfectly fine. There were eight in-ring segments. It's the point I'm making. Eight is a nice number. Eight is often the number I get with AEW, and it flows really well. There's the odd week, obviously, with shorter stuff now and then. But that's kind of the average where I kind of end up. And from when it was be hitting that number, I sensed it during the show. Like, these matches were going long. I just assumed it would be the opener, maybe the ending would get 10 minutes plus. 
but we got Damien Priest's T-Bar as well, just in the middle. It's like, oh, that, no, that caught me by surprise. And of course, the main event got its own setup. Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair, yes, it was a screwy finish, but it wasn't like an interference or something completely out of nowhere to immediately set up a rematch. They'll have to do the work a little bit next week. Because, I mean, to be my main critique <laughs> is I, I just know that Bianca Belair's getting another match. And that, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> I'm just waiting for it. I, I know it's going to happen. That's just what I'm waiting for. I don't want that to be the case, but it is. It is the case. <sighs> Do you get another match? I say as if they didn't tease Liv Morgan <laughs> in the interview. It's like, ah, ah, yes. After they've booked her to lose every match since returning to Raw. Ah, that's my proof that there's little to no thinking, of, like thinking ahead in this company. <laughs> it's just... Who's been that challenge at one well, if Morgan? She's got popularity behind her, and Becky Lynch is a heel. Kind of like she's next in line to the fan popularity. Yes, but since coming to Raw, you've made her lose every match, <laughs> so she has no momentum. There is no in your world reason why she should be number one contender, other than she's popular. Therefore, she gets the shot. Yeah, but but she's lost every match. <laughs> you've not. So this is where I, I have to bring in AEW, where for, for their tag division. They knew that the Lucha Bros were going to be winning the titles at All Out. They knew that. They knew they, were, they booked it. The Young Bucks are going to lose the Lucha Bros there. So what do they do? In the weeks before the pay-per-view, they started to book another tag team to pick up wins. Meaning that when the Lucha Bros won, there was immediately this other tag team to challenge them. I think it was Butcher and the Blade. <laughs> I can't remember. I don't know if I'm just zoning out of it. But they built them up so that they were number one contenders. So they were there. And you don't have to do any additional work. You don't have to do a setup angle. You've already given them wins, so it makes sense of, oh, they would be there. When you know you're going to do something, you can do the work beforehand to establish the next thing. They don't even know what they're doing with the current stuff. Never mind what's coming next. They may have, like, an end goal, but to actually get there, there's no there's nothing. <laughs> there's bare minimum stuff, or it's changed on day of the show, so it doesn't matter anyway. And then you see this here with Liv Morgan. It's just, For me, it's just a little example. They clearly... Didn't think they didn't think further ahead <laughs> than maybe the Crown Jewel show for the triple threat. Then they, they know they're doing do Lynch versus Belair. They know that, but when that one has to take a break because you keep doing it, <laughs> when they've had their big stuff, then what do you do? What is the next piece for Lynch? And they've not thought about it. Uh, they have decided it's going to be Liv Morgan, but they haven't done any of the groundwork. So she's come to Raw, lost all the time, and now she's challenging for the title. Do wins and loss? Do what? Do any of the things we see on the screen matter? <laughs> Uh, when anyone can just jump up, it doesn't matter about wins or losses. Like I said, ah, it's nice to see wrestling actually matter. <laughs> the actual contest matter. I feel like it's a universe-building basic. <laughs> We're doing the replay like it constantly. Anyway, let's talk about the actual match itself. So the Raw Women's Championship was on the line in the opener. Becky Lynch was in Bianca Belair. And I do have to make a confession that I did say on Twitter that I would, uh, when they announced this yesterday, because it absolutely screamed screwy finish. Just because they've done it for so many weeks now, ever since they've started, as I call it, the evidence of effort, <laughs> where they'd give us like a really big match from like more to get us excited and to kind of generate hype for the show, and throughout the show, quite often be the main event. Then you know, then they say this is going to be the opener, and they've done this before. When they've done this before, it's always either ended in a screwy finish, so we don't actually get a winner, or it has some form of weird thing happen during the match, which then sets up a second match later in the show either featuring the same two, but with a different step, or featuring an additional person, or you turn into a tag team match, or you Teddy Long it, or whatever. This match actually had a finish. Technically, it's a screwy finish, 
Becky Lynch yanoed. <laughs> Big Anka Belair taking off the uh, turnbuckle corner. Bianca goes crashing into it. Then she's quick roll up. That's right out of Yano's playbook. <laughs> but she, it's a win nonetheless. The babyface has got something to go by. Personally, like I think Lynch facing someone else first is good. That's what I would like. It's just that they haven't done the groundwork, so I can moan about it as well. <laughs> that is that is fine. Uh, but we have immediately just got that thing in Bianca Belair's pocket where she can just challenge again. Because, oh, she cheated. Oh, okay, then. Right. <laughs> fine. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah, it feels... It's, it, 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 was a, it was a strong match and they gave it 10, 15 minutes. It just feels like it's a little bit... Um, I was just waiting for the screwy finish and then it came. And I was like, cool, that sets up the rematch then. So, was there much point in this match other than generating the hype? You can give it purpose by not having them interact next week. That's personally what I say. Move Becky Lynch on. It could be a mini feud with Liv Morgan to help kind of establish a Survivor Series role for Bianca Belair. That's perfectly fine. Uh, but you can, you, for this, for this screw finish to actually not feel like just another run of the mill screw finish to keep the never ending stuff going on, you keep giving us big matches where people just flat out can't lose. <laughs> so we know there's going to be a screw finish, which again is fine every now and then. He gives a big match, we get excited about it, even if we know there'll be a screw finish, it's fine. But when you do it every week, <laughs> it gets to a bit of a jokey level. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, we're guaranteed a screw finish. I've started to not care, which is a worry. You're giving me your biggest matches, but I don't care. I'm not hyped. Because <laughs> I don't expect a finish. I expect it to be, it to be some form of screwy thing to keep the feud going and nobody loses. That's why I expect now that was the build to Crown Jewel. And I know Crown Jewel's in its weird own unique bubble that bursts the second the event is over. But yeah, personally, this is fine if they then leave it. <laughs> Don't do Bel Air Bianca. Bel Air Bianca. Don't do Lynch versus Bel Air. Why can't I say this? <laughs> Don't do that and then just drift it. Yes, fine. Yeah. Anyway, this is a strong TV match. Like a, a TV version of the high quality work that they've both been pumping out. Lynch's character full of wrestling wiliness with, with such a perfect pairing to Bianca's incredible show of strength and athleticism. The two given time as well to gradually kick up that pace, like over 15 minutes into an unsurprisingly great final run to the ending where, again, Becky grabbing <laughs> grabbing the turnbuckle, uh, paid uh, to... I can't put it, what's the move called? Uh, KOD. I can never remember Bianca Belair's finisher. To counter the KOD, she grabs the turnbuckle pad, rips it off, then Bianca in the follow-up charge is then sent flying into the ter exposed turnbuckle. Quick Yano roll-up. <laughs> she gets the win. It's like, yeah, I just... Uh, I want to be invested in these kind of matches. And if you're going to just... The way to attract me is to give me your biggest matches <laughs> with me knowing there can't be a finish. You can't do that every week. And maybe shifting, shifting to Liv Morgan is the best way for that. We'll see. We'll see. It's uh, decent. Uh, no, no, no. Good Larry David. Yeah. <laughs> What's your review, Matt, for Becky Lynch versus Bianca Bella? Uh, Larry David noise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Strong match. And... Uh, I'll say the finish holds more weight if they don't immediately just do the match again or continue the feud straight off with no switch. Use, use Survivor Series. Make Bianca Bella the leader of the Survivor Series team. You've shown people like watching on TVs backstage. They could be part of the team. Or there's a tag, women's tag team team. They can be part of the team. <laughs> Got team in the team. Yeah. Anyway, Rey Mysterio versus Austin Theory. I need to move off of that team tangent. <laughs> uh, quick note for this. Like I'm all for... More, and yes, it's me. I've got to talk about the crab. <laughs> I'm all for like more interviews in Gorilla. I personally like that. Like 
that's rather than the logo television, the logo TV. I I much rather prefer just mixing it up. You can still do the logo TV, but if they have different locations, they've got the interview ring, they've got Gorilla, and they've got the logo television. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Mix it up a bit, it's cool. But surely, surely, just straight up central focus, shoot the interviewer, squatting. Oh, I can squat a bit. Squatting to interview. Actually, no, because he has to step back. I'm going to use my depth of fixed depth here. Let's do this. He has to... I'm trying to make my voice for it. He has to kind of squat and be in the back so he's the same height and he lean forward like that to Rey Mysterio. He's about five foot five. He's not. <laughs> he's relatively average height. But it's just like... Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous at this point. Like, uh, they per- I'm like, it has to be a rib. <laughs> just, it has to be a rib. And I've just seen how small I look on the camera. <laughs> like, it has to be a rib, surely. <laughs> like, uh just to show the interview a full crab it surely has to be a rib <laughs> it's ridiculous uh, uh, anyway uh, I, it made me laugh I'm like it has to be a rib otherwise I'd have to call them incompetent <laughs> which one is it either they are knowingly being semi self-conscious with this and they're focusing on him down to his knees <laughs> it's not even just a little bit this is full fully in shot <laughs> just doing this or they're incom or they're they it's incompetent, and they just don't know. They just don't care. It's just a lack of care. We'll see. Well, I say we'll see. Uh, if I was them, I'd purposely shift it to a rib. <laughs> That's what I'd do. Or have uh, have wrestlers. Uh, New Day might be fine with it, just to for them to crab walk in <laughs> or something. That that might pop me. <laughs> just me, just do a little bit of a Zoidberg. Anyway, a second match, given more time than I would have assumed on a WWE telly show. Personally, as something I'm all for. Like the action is WWE's strongest part. It's when the booking comes in, it often just goes a bit flat. Uh, yeah, they just suck up making me care about it. <laughs> they give me good wrestling, but I don't care. The storyline, the naff, and the character don't don't have consistency. Consistency already go anywhere. Um, but the wrestling's solid. They got a really strong roster. Uh, theory going to go, uh, getting to go back and forth with the wrestling veteran in Rey Mysterio, but we get our family stresses playing out instead of a like a full proper finish. Which is fine for like a young heel slowly getting that momentum in Austin Theory. It's perfectly fine for him to be kind of getting these kinds of wins to kind of further a different feud he's not in. Uh, Dominic losing his call and the youthful mistake costs his dad the match as Ray goes for the 619. But the referee throws out the match after noticing the kid slap Austin across the face. Ah, you silly you. You're silly. Ah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's just that beat. They seem to be building to Dominic turning on him. Would be really surprised if it's not in the Rumble because that screams the most predictable way to do it. So they probably will do it. They can make it maybe interesting. I just personally, bit of a mistake. But when, especially when Dominic is somebody who's kind of learning the craft, he's, if learning, to be fair, he's learning it perfectly fine. Uh, but he's still young and he's still learning it, which is just that's just the case. And they've done this before where they decided to turn that person heel, but they're not at that point where they can carry a heel character yet and it's just kind of falls flat so we've seen it before it's a w show that's been going on for my entire time watching so i started in 2005 so it's been like 16 years this has been true that's existed within them the entire time they just can't they need to break up tag teams to do that angle to get that heat oh i'm gonna get that heat brother to do that but they just have to spit up a family as well to turn the younger son heel to do uh yeah 
and it, it very rarely works because the person's just not ready for it. <laughs> Happens every single time. I'd be so surprised if it doesn't happen again here. So surprised. <sighs> anyway, on to the next match. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> I've got many weeks to moan about the Mysterious arc because it feels like it's very run-of-the-mill and going in, in a predictably kind of naff after point. <laughs> it's like, uh. uh Anyway, Nikki Ash and... Oh, sorry, Nikki S. H. and Rhea Ripley versus Zelina Vega and Carmella. Uh, Vega and Carmella thought that Nikki's mask looked stupid. You get it? Because uh, Carmella has a... And we have our match! <laughs> We've got our match, guys. Uh, the best thing about this match was that it erased another week of women's match repeats. It just stopped it being a thing because uh, they set up this match instead. You're not getting Carmella versus Liv Morgan this week. So uh, that's a positive. You're not getting another rematch. If you want to take positives, they're, they're here. <laughs> Aside from that, it was kind of nothing. <laughs> like The only way to set up new tag contenders for the women is to pin the champion. Get ready for your singles matches next week. The pattern repeats once again. There is no other feud for the women's tag belts. A full year with the same build. Over and over and over. <laughs> it's just... I, I'm not astounded. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I guess the belts could be much more. If to see them as like a certain part of the card, like a certain area, um, then yeah, it's fine for them to see them as like a mid card, if not lower mid card kind of area for the belts kind of kind of fit in the prestige, in the hierarchy. But for them to have used this same exact build for every single feud for over a year now. Is insane. <laughs> At this point, I'm just like, why do these belts exist? You have no other ideas. It's the same. It's different people each time, different contenders, different champions. But it's the same booking. It's copy and paste. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like the only way to establish a new contender. Like for this, the unique thing is, oh, your mask looks stupid, says the person who has a stupid mask. There's that. That's new, unique, and different, right? But the actual thing of the contender's been the champion, then we get our singles matches for the tag team. And then we get a match. It's just, yeah. But the last feud was that. <laughs> In how Nikki, Ash and Ray Ripley, how they became champions. They won a championship contenders match. Right when it was kind of, people they were still clearly figuring out what that was. Because <laughs> it changed for every different kind of match for the champion. But still, it's, it's fine. It's fine. doesn't matter. They're telling me this match, this kind of booking, and this kind of like placement in terms of show momentum and everything, what it's before, what it's after, just where it is on cards normally tells me these belts don't really matter. And that's not me saying, oh, women's wrestling doesn't matter. This is me saying WWE's booking, their writing on their own show is telling me they don't really matter. Uh, they try and sell it in the moment, but the actual kind of work around it, especially because it's the same feud repeated as well. There's little effort put into the creative side, as well as the kind of giving them stuff to work with. They're telling me it doesn't matter. So I'm zoning out during the matches because you've told me they don't matter. Not you don't, you don't have it's it's more it's like the subtle storytelling side which I'm more and more believe somehow WWE don't get the people behind them when they should get this <laughs> especially TV writers they know all about purposefully telling the viewer something but in that sort of way the viewer doesn't know they've been told it but you've told it them it's a uh, film language surprise surely people in WWE know film language <laughs> then I watched the Crab Man <laughs> of course they don't <laughs> uh, anyway yeah. Via's got a second name, Via Mahan. I can't quite, can't quite put my finger on who that reminds me of. As I jumped to Photoshop to put the name on an image of Vince McMahon. <laughs> like, like, of course, Via Mahan, Vince McMahon. Via Mahan, Vince McMahon. Via Mahan, 
Vince McMahon. Ah, nothing there, is there? <laughs> nothing. It's not a thing. Not a thing. I've got nothing to think about there. Oh, I wonder, how did they come up with a surname uh, that's just, oh, it must have been like no influence within the company to come up with that surname. Avia Mahan. Doesn't sound like anybody else. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Finn Balor versus Chad Gable. Clap, positive. Like your wee little map based grapple wrestles begin to uh, uh, building to a great finish, great quick finish. Uh, Balor reversing Gable's suplex from the top into a cradle for the win. A nice little surprise in the middle of this week's show. A tad of variety for a second on a show that doesn't normally branch out from the formula. And this was this match just felt different to so many other things WWE put on. Yeah, it still had the kind of I say almost rhythm of a WWE match. It's still that same showman-y style, but there was so much kind of map-based stuff, and it was so grapple happy. <laughs> I'll say, and the ending was just a uh, for me that's a really I want to say awesome kind of finish, just because it's Finn Balor showing he can win in a different way. Uh, with Chad Gable putting Chad Gable over as well, just the way he let him map wrestle against him. Yeah, really strong mid-card match. It just took me by surprise. It's like, oh, they're, le- they're actually letting them do this. Cool. Clap. <laughs> cool, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, anyway, moving on to Street Dogs. Street Dogs. Yes, to call it that, this match for the Street Dogs. Woof, woof. <laughs> Street Profits versus Dirty Dogs. RK Bro with their mashup entrance theme on commentary for the bout. A pairing that's fresh for me because I so rarely watch SmackDown that... The draft holds weight for me. <laughs> I watch SmackDown every now and then, just not that often. But I'm fully aware that these two teams have wrestled <laughs> quite a bit. But it's new for me, damn it. I've, hard, I've hardly seen them wrestle. I've seen people on Twitter moan about constantly seeing them wrestle. Because even on SmackDown, even though it's rever- referred to as the better show, they've still got the same booking problems. <laughs> it's still the same thing. It's repeat again and again and again. But I don't watch SmackDown enough for that to be an issue. <laughs> so, yeah. Covering WWE means I watch less of WWE. <laughs> so the draft actually has weight to me and my review island. <laughs> I'm fine with that. A, but yeah, this was a decent tag match where I'm just happy to be watching a tag division with folk fighting for contendership rather than just beating the champions. Referred to point earlier. Like, even in interference, I actually don't mind it as we're faced with multiple players in a division often re- reserved for two. So yeah, awesome. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, yes, WWE are catapulting towards 100 non-finishers for the year. They're, they're flying towards it. <laughs> but to me, this is proof that thing doesn't equal bad. As I didn't really didn't mind Omos's interference. Like for, for me, it's like the this is just an instrument that is used so insanely often that it's become a blunt joke. It's not even a blunt weapon. It's not even a a blunt weapon that's then joked about, the joke itself has become blunt. Because <laughs> it's just, yeah, they do non-finishes all the time. Yeah, they're about to make 100 for the year, where the opposition has like two or three. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. I think AW number's higher than that, but still, it's not even in double double digits. Never mind close to 100. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Omos out there again for the big boy match halting, uh, purposely stopping winners becoming crowned in the tag division. To show there's another team that cares, it gives Omos something to do whilst AJ's off for whatever the reason is. And as he makes his speedy recovery, Omos is out here uh, keeping them in the play. And you're showing teams fighting amongst themselves about coming, becoming number one contender as the champions look on and uh, you see them, you see them there, but you're not watching the champions lose. So they feel a bit more, look at all these people fighting for the chance to fight these guys. But yeah, prestige, oh, awesome. It's just, uh, yeah, it's nice to see it here. Positive. Stay positive. I was about to complain about the early stuff, but no. <laughs> this is good. 
pro, yes, thumbs up, thumbs up for this. As we then move on to another thumb up. I'm actually, I barreled through this. Maybe standing up gives me focus <laughs> to actually go through the card instead of just drifting off into different stuff. But another match I really enjoyed was the no disqualification United States Championship match. Damien Priest versus T-Bar. He's bad. He's good. He's Damien Priest. <laughs> As for T-Bar, he's on a great in-ring run. I say great, that's like two weeks, is it? It's just a shame he's still laced with a crap meathead jobber gimmick. <laughs> it's just, uh, uh, yeah, just no more animal promos. <laughs> just please. <laughs> uh, the llama of the wasteland will not get his food tonight, so we must bear shall eat the llama. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Like, uh, I'm so happy that we don't get he and t bar Maces <laughs> giving those promos anymore. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I would have it be happy for, like, week after week, just one more thing from t boss just drops as uh, Dijakovic, as Dijak just rears his head, just says, oh, hello, it's me, Dijakovic, you remember me? Remember when I was Dijak in Ring of Honor and then Dijakovic in uh, NXT? And it drove Matt crazy because he's just so used to mainland Europe where it's, uh, like, in Serbo-Croat, they actually they only say letters in this one way. They don't alternate. So it's Dijakovic, and it screwed me over. <laughs> but this is uh, so this is the family who's moved to America, so they say it hard, they do the hard stuff, so it's Dijakovic. <laughs> it does me in. It does me in. Anyway, tangent. I'm ha- I'll be more than happy to be calling him Dijakovic rather than T-Bar. <laughs> All this stuff. Just every week, just drop one more thing. Because this match was fantastic. It was amazing. The only problem is he's a bloke called T-Bar, who's previously part of a jobber gimmick and uh, yes it was a TV United States Championship match so you never believe he's going to win but who it doesn't really matter when the match is this good it's all about elevating Damien Priest and T-Bar did such a good job of that as well T-Bar both looked amazing in the match itself but also made Damien Priest look fantastic as well which is the entire point this whole championship run is about elevating him ready for the main event they teased it earlier in the year after Wrestlemania and now they can properly do it oh yeah let's go for it yeah, like, Raw's delivered strong with this past year of big lads having big lad brawls. And, like, I'm all for them building up a new crop of lads in that world. And yeah, continue to build up T-Bar, continue to build up Priest. You're going to have something there. Priest can be the main event guy, but T-Bar can be his Seamus to his Drew McIntyre. <laughs> it can work. He doesn't have to be another right next to him main guy, but he can, he can do it. Uh, T-Bar lamping the champ with kendo shots. Priest responding with chair shots in kind before we got our big table crash spot with a chokeslam off the apron sending Mr. Barr through a table that just disintegrated. <laughs> it's amazing. A genuinely great match continuing to build up Priest in style. Um, afterwards, out came Apollo to lay down the challenge. Like, I am Apollo. I will be challenging. This man is tall. I will be challenging. <laughs> and off he goes. <laughs> it's like a boo, you're a villain. <laughs> Priest obviously exciting the challenge and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, I can say about contendership and stuff, but if somebody else steps to challenge Apollo, then we can do that. We that can build up a little. It's not just somebody coming out and going, "I'm the contender now," or pinning the champion to then become the contender. That uses up a week. <laughs> Maybe Priest is going. You got to earn your shot against me. Then he pins the champion. Well, you've earned your shot. <laughs> but no, no, have Apollo beat somebody else. Keep Priest strong. It's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. But then after that was the main event just leads into a much smoother show coming off a match this hot as well and then to go into the main event yeah just like generally great stuff and this was another match that was given time to play out like on a previous on a different show this doesn't become no disqualification and this match is over fast priest just destroys him maybe like two to three minutes 
and then move on to the next thing. It just, you don't have time to dwell on it either. Just immediately jump, which is like a criticism I've heard about the uh, new revamp of NXT, NXT 2.0, where there's not much time to dwell on the thing that's happened. You've got to immediately jump to the next one. It's like, ah, cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Uh, but yeah, a genuinely great match, this continuing to build up Priest in style. Thumbs up. And then the main event, a first side show. So yeah, it was a show that gave matches time to play out, which made the show infinitely more watchable. Um, I had the I had the opportunity to get into the matches. It doesn't mean I'm into the angles, stories, or characters, <laughs> but the wrestling itself was solid and held up. And they were like crash car crash exciting at times as well. Uh, where of course Bel Air versus Lynch killed it in their opener. A really fast ending to that, which I really enjoyed. Uh, Priesty bar here, where just just chaos <laughs> i really enjoyed it just the the phrase i was using of lamping each other with forcing carnage just oh yes they were so good and then the main event in kevin owens was big e which that was the interesting character arc yes the match itself was solid but then the thing that happened with seth rollins and then kevin owens making that decision he catching him they got two baby faces where one of them knows the other has done something questionable I was like oh yes awesome thumbs up thumbs up yeah solid show but it's solid for WWE. <laughs> it's the massive caveat. I I still don't. I wouldn't recommend you watch the entire show. But there are three matches that are worth watching. Which, yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of WWE, how can I? I can't speak too negatively when that is the case. There are three matches on this show I'd recommend you watch. The opener with Lynch Belair was solid enough. Obviously, screwy finish, but obviously, it's, uh, yeah, it's solid enough. Priest was a T-bar again. Lamping each other with forcing carnage. <laughs> and the main event in Kevin Owens with Big E was also a solid match, which then led to a really strong character beat, which then kind of can go interesting places. And it feels like a dynamic I really enjoyed last year with the three different people go around the title scene and you can rotate them around facing each other. Just, uh, yeah. I enjoyed it then. I'm enjoying it now. It's uh, it's not a copy and paste, especially if they've done the angle with Kevin Owens. As soon as Kevin Owens turns straight up heel, then it's copy and paste. <laughs> but currently, that's fine. And if his contract runs out in January, then he has a solid run putting the champion over. Putting Seth Rollins over as well. Maybe even somebody else like Damien Priest, he can lose to Priest as well. It's just like, this is how you put have somebody, you have them leave the company. <laughs> this is how to do it. Not what we've seen in the past where they book them to look crap. It's not, I'm not just talking about Ambrose slash Moxley. This has happened before. Where at the end of their run, they've not signed a contract. They start to get either nothing booking or booking that makes them look a bit stupid. And then they're gone. It's like, oh, uh, they've gone. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird one. This is how to do it, though. If if Kevin Owens is leaving and he's not signed a contract, uh, for me, this is... And, of course, there is still a little while to go. He's two months left of his contract. This could be a short while to Survivor Series and then he gets nothing. <laughs> but this is solid. And he's putting others over. Why not use a guy going out to put the others over? I don't get it. <laughs> this is how to do it. It's really a detriment of your company, but this is a positive. It's a, it sounds like a negative because I'm ripping on long term, but short term, this is a positive to see them doing this. So, good stuff, good stuff. Anyway, that's the end of the review. As I can do my big wingspan like that. Uh, and I knocked over the lights. <laughs> it's fine. I'll get used to it eventually. Anyway, I will be back. Oh, my word. <laughs> I probably twisted it so it's not going to stay. There we go. No, well done. Wow, this is incredible audio content.
<laughs> there we go. It's not staying. I'm going to have to hold it. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is the end of the show. An amazing way to go off on the first standing review. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Damn Implicatus Damn in Damn. And there's also over on Twitch at the Damn at the Implications with two S's. I'm not currently streaming. I'm going to try back to it. But if you follow it, I'm not going to uh, go against you. There's also Vesting Headlines. You follow them on Twitter at Vessel Headlines. That's Vessel without an E. And over on the Facebook page as well for Vesting Headlines for all your latest wrestling news and the such. And I'll be back on Thursday for the AEW Dynamite review. Really looking forward to that. And yeah, just a solid, as I end, legit end this review, just holding a light. Can I kick it into place? There we go. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. No better way. <laughs> Literally, because you, you twist it to make it stand. And I knocked it in such a way that it was just going to drop down. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to end the review holding a light. <laughs> anyway, I'll be back on Thursday. Jesus. <laughs> for the AEW Dynamite review. Really looking forward to that one. I might try and get a guest on. I don't know if I can do that standing. Anyway, with that, what did you think about Kevin Owens? Are we going to be getting a Big E versus Kevin Owens feud? Do you think that Kevin Owens is turning heel? Which is the other question I was kind of posing. Or are you just perfectly fine with this three-way dynamic just to continue to play out? Should I be focusing on Big E KO when I should be focusing on all three of them? Uh, we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> so anyway, with that, I bid you do, And I thank you for liking, engaging in any form, any manner, or uh, never taking for granted... I swear there's a third part to that. I can't remember. <laughs> what with that? I bid you adieu. Adios. And I now crouch down because I know no other way <laughs> to end the stream. Wow. Adios. Adios. <laughs>